0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists.
1: Good morning, in today's headlines, the Supreme Court hears a North Carolina case that could drastically alter future elections. The argument from North Carolina Republicans hinges on an obscure theory.
2: Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is under investigation. We have more on the House Ethics Committee announcement.
1: Senator Ron Johnson held a panel on COVID-19 vaccines in Washington yesterday. Find out what expert had, experts had to say about the effectiveness and the safety of the vaccines.
2: The president of Silicon Valley company Theranos was handed almost 13 years in prison. Hear what his lawyer had to say about yesterday's sentencing.
1: And is TikTok a Trojan horse of the Chinese Communist Party unleashed on unsuspecting Americans? That's what the Indiana Attorney General says. And he's filed two lawsuits.
2: Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
1: And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. It's Thursday today, December 8th.
2: Yeah, and the New York Times will have to brace itself for something major today. Over 1,000 New York Times union members plan to walk out and strike for 24 hours. The News Guild posted a series of tweets voicing their displeasure yesterday. The Guild says bargaining with management was unsuccessful this week.
1: Right, The union was trying to resolve a dispute over pay, remote work, flexibility, and some other things. Union members plan to start picketing outside the office at 1 p.m. local time. The New York Times hasn't had a walkout like this since the 1970s. But we're moving on to the Supreme Court now. It heard a case yesterday that could change the future of federal elections. North Carolina Republicans argue state lawmakers should have the final say on how federal elections in the state are run. However, opponents worry it would give state lawmakers absolute authority and could perhaps lead to them choosing desired election winners. And today's Daniel Monaghan has the story.
3: The Supreme Court justices heard three hours of arguments from Republican leaders in North Carolina. The case is Moore versus Harper. It revolves around an obscure legal theory that says state legislatures should have the final say on election procedures, not courts, or even the state constitution.
4: When the framers wrote the constitution, they didn't say the states, they didn't say the state courts, they said the state legislatures. They knew
3: well what that meant.
5: The people united will never be defeated.
3: It started as a dispute over a GOP led redistricting map. They argued this morning
6: that they have the power to draw whatever congressional districts they want, even in violation of the will of the people as expressed in their
3: Constitution. The case went to North Carolina Supreme Court, where they ruled the map was unconstitutional. FRUSTRATED, THE STATE GOP ARGUED STATE LEGISLATORS HAVE THE POWER TO OVERRIDE THE WILL OF VOTERS. SOME SAY IT IS AN ARGUMENT THAT CREATES A LEGAL, SLIPPERY slope. ATTORNEY FOR NORTH CAROLINA VOTER ADVOCACY GROUP'S NEIL KATIAW SAYS THEIR THEORY WOULD RESULT IN ELECTION CHAOS AND FORCE A CONFUSING TWO-TRACK SYSTEM, ONE SET OF RULES FOR FEDERAL ELECTIONS AND ANOTHER FOR STATE ONES.
6: I MEAN, NOT JUST DO THEY WANT TO TOPPLE STATE CONSTITUTIONS FROM THE FOUNDING OF OUR NATION ON OF 1787, they want to even go reach back to the Articles of Confederation
3: and validate some of those too. Opponents worry it would give state lawmakers absolute authority and could lead to them choosing desired election winners. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan commented that it gets rid of normal checks and balances. Meanwhile, Michigan attorney Ellie Savitt says it would make the election-related decisions of legislators effectively unreviewable by state court judges. He says that would cut neutral
2: arbitrators out of the process. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is under investigation by the House Ethics Committee. That's according to a statement from the committee yesterday. Wednesday's statement said, quote, The acting chairwoman and acting ranking member of the Committee on Ethics have jointly decided to extend the matter regarding Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The acting chairwoman is Democrat Susan Wild of Pennsylvania and the ranking member is Republican Michael Guest of Mississippi. They said the Office of Congressional Ethics forwarded its inquiry regarding Ocasio-Cortez in June. The Office of Congressional Ethics is a nonpartisan government agency under the House. It's responsible for reviewing allegations of misconduct against House members.
1: The House Ethics Committee didn't specify what the investigation is about. They said they will announce more details after the committee meets during the next Congress.
2: Yeah, and the committee noted that just because there's an investigation, that doesn't mean any violation has occurred. U.S. Senator Ron Johnson led a roundtable discussion on COVID-19 vaccines yesterday. Doctors and medical researchers gathered to share their findings on the efficacy and safety of the vaccines. Many spoke on the adverse effects people have experienced, as well as the possible causes of injuries and the path forward. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. Global,
5: worldwide statistics.
4: Senator Ron Johnson says he's an advocate for early treatment. Because of this, he got connected with a global network of qualified doctors and medical researchers who were expressing concerns over a rushed vaccine. He says instead of throwing caution to the wind, he began to monitor the CDC's and FDA's Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or VAERS. Johnson was surprised to find a quarter of the deaths reported occurred zero to two days after taking the vaccine. That sure got my attention. It's just amazing to me it hasn't got the attention of our, our regulators. He was worried mass vaccination amidst the pandemic could drive variants, and after closely following data, was introduced to the issue of vaccine injuries.
5: This has been censored. You know, I've been throttled back. People who have uh, talked shills and have used this have been pulled off their platform for a time. There's no misinformation here.
4: The roundtable hosted a panel of experts, each weighing in on the adverse effects of the vaccine and the data around it. Aaron Siri, the lead counsel at ICANN, says his team analyzed data from the CDC's premier vaccine safety system, V-safe. He feels it's a better system than VARES because it has a denominator and is able to calculate a rate. He also says it's better than the clinical trials because it has a much bigger test group, 10 million as opposed to 30,000, and is not filtered through a pharmaceutical company. But despite all that, he found the platform troubling. What's missing? Pericarditis, myocarditis, transverse myelitis. All the issues we now know that the vaccine can cause are not listed there on check-the-box options. He says the CDC knew about these issues but did not include them. Dr. Pierre Corey emphasized the critical importance of early treatment, but despite that being the axiom in medicine, he says the over three dozen repurposed antiviral drugs, like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, were suppressed in countries with advanced health economies.
5: And There's a simple reason for
4: that. We live in a health system that is literally structured with incentives to preserve the market for patented, pricey, pharmaceutical products. He says countries that suppressed widely used early treatment drugs include the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Australia. This country needed a a national vitamin D campaign. Everyone should have their vitamin D levels checked. We should have had a, a replenishment protocol for everybody. That would have been one of the most simplest and safest and one of the most
5: potent ways to protect ourselves from morbidity and mortality. We did not do that.
4: Corey says had these drugs been adopted early in the pandemic, many hundreds of thousands of Americans would still be alive today. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
2: And if you'd like to watch the full discussion, you can find it on our website, NTD.com.
1: Moving on now to another topic, a judge sentenced former Theranos President Ramesh Balwani to nearly 13 years in prison yesterday. He was charged with defrauding investors and patients. Prosecutors say Balwani lied to Silicon Valley investors, telling them the company had machines that could run medical diagnostic tests from a small amount of blood. They claimed the devices could scan for hundreds of diseases and other potential problems with a prick of the finger. Federal prosecutors were seeking 15 years. Balwani's lawyers were hoping for around five. Here's what Balwani's attorney had to say after the sentencing.
4: We're, uh, we respectfully disagree with the result in the case. We're disappointed in the outcome, and we plan to appeal. We're, we're proud to represent Mr. Balani, and we we think that um, the outcome should have been different, and we respectfully disagree with it, but again, we're going to appeal.
1: Theranos was once valued at $9 billion. It promised to revolutionize medical diagnosis with their small machines. They envisioned them to be used in homes, drug stores, and even on the battlefield. The company collapsed after a series of Wall Street Journal articles in 2015 that questioned its technology.
2: And now over to the Midwest. Indiana's attorney general is suing TikTok. He's alleging it inflicts harm on users. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story.
3: Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita filed two separate lawsuits against the Chinese social media company The first accuses TikTok of luring children onto the site by claiming it's appropriate for young teens, then exposing them to inappropriate content automatically organized by TikTok's algorithms, content that includes drugs, alcohol use, and nudity. The second lawsuit accuses TikTok of holding onto highly sensitive user data and personal information and leaving that data vulnerable to the Chinese Communist Party. FBI Director Christopher Wray addressed the problem on December 2nd, speaking at the University of Michigan. The idea of entrusting that much data, that much uh, ability to shape content and engage in influence operations, that much access to people's devices, uh, in effect, to that government is something they concern. The lawsuit points out that while TikTok's European privacy policy has been updated to disclose such access, the U.S. policy fails to do so. Rokita says he hopes this pair of lawsuits will stop TikTok's, quote, false, deceptive, and misleading practices which violate Indiana law. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
2: Texas Governor Greg Abbott yesterday ordered all state agencies to ban TikTok on all government-issued devices. Meanwhile, South Dakota, South Carolina, and Maryland have also all banned the Chinese social media app from government devices.
1: A restaurant in Virginia canceled a reservation at the last minute based on political beliefs. Entities Jason Perry has more from the woman who was denied service and what the restaurant says.
7: We can all have different views. What's disturbing about this isn't that they dislike us. It's that they are unwilling to even serve us food in a restaurant.
6: Victoria <laughs> Cobb is the president of Family Foundation, a faith-based organization which advocates for policies based on biblical principles, according to their website. On November 30th, the organization was set to host a dessert reception for its supporters.
7: Our organization had made a reservation for a private dining room for a dessert reception to be held for some of our supporters to talk about the work that we do and Despite that reservation having been made a couple weeks prior, about an hour and a half before we were scheduled to arrive, we got a phone call from the owner of Metzger's is the name of the place. And they simply said, we're going to cancel your event. And they said it's because their team had uh, looked us up and that they were uncomfortable serving us.
6: She says the restaurant staff looked up the Family Foundation online and didn't feel comfortable serving them because of their views on marriage and abortion. The restaurant Metzger Bar and Butchery, which is located in Richmond, Virginia, issued a statement after they denied service to the faith based organization, saying. Metzger Bar and Butchery has always prided itself on being an inclusive environment for people to dine in. We respect our staff's established rights as humans and strive to create a work environment where they can do their jobs with dignity, comfort and safety. Cobb said the restaurant staff would have been treated well and tipped well
7: the the left often cloaks these words you know they'll have this whole statement about how welcoming and tolerant and wonderful they are and they'll take these very intolerant actions um, you know and then they use words like we wanted to feel safe well we find that amazing because we are a pro-life organization we're actually trying to um, allow the human rights of those that are unborn in particular we actually think we're a human rights advocacy organization
6: when I asked Cobb if she was planning to take legal action she said they are still weighing all of their options. Jason Perry in TD
2: News. Snow and fog contributed to a 30-vehicle pileup in Washington State Wednesday morning. 18 cars and 12 semi-trucks crashed on Interstate 90 near Ellensburg. At least one of the trailers spilled its contents on the highway when it turned sideways. Washington State patrol troopers say only minor injuries were reported. All eastbound lanes of traffic had to be closed for cleanup. Authorities say freezing fog was the main contributor, but troopers say speed was also a factor in the pileup. And coming up, Peru has sworn in a new president following days of political unrest. The country's former leader has been arrested following impeachment charges. And German police arrest over two dozen people for plotting to overthrow the government. Find out more about the nationwide raids after the break. Good to have you back. I'm Kevin Hogan. Peru has just sworn in a new president. This follows political unrest that saw the previous leftist leader arrested after being impeached. He tries to dissolve Congress in an attempt to retain power. Here's NTD's S with the details.
8: Peruvian lawmakers voted to remove leftist leader Pedro Castillo with an overwhelming majority of 101 votes in favor. Following his impeachment on Wednesday, the public ministry said that Castillo had been detained. He is accused of the crimes of rebellion and conspiracy for breaking the constitutional order. Loud cheers accompanied the result when the legislature called on Vice President Dina Bolarte to take office. She was sworn in Wednesday as president through 2026, making her the country's first female leader. Pularte called for a political truce following months of instability. Castillo earlier tried to initiate a failed attempt to retain power by temporarily shutting down Congress, and launch a government of exception calling for new legislative elections, a move that sparked resignations by his ministers, as well as angry accusations from both opposition politicians and his allies that he was attempting a coup allegations Castillo called slander. Pularte called the move an attempted coup. Castillo's removal saw dozens of people in Lima waving Peruvian flags, cheering his downfall. In other parts of the city, protesters clashed with riot police who fired tear gas at Castillo's supporters. Peru has seen years of political instability, with multiple leaders accused of corruption, frequent impeachment attempts, and presidential terms cut short. Costemanes, NTD News.
1: Over in Europe, German authorities arrested over two dozen people who are part of a suspected terror group. They're accused of plotting to overthrow the government. The raids began early yesterday morning and are continuing across the country. It is currently unclear how concrete the plot was. It involves members of the Reichsburger group who believe the German state is illegitimate. The group plan to install their leader Heinrich VIII from the House of Royce as the new governing monarch. Prosecutors say Royce contacted Russian officials with the aim of imposing a new order in the country, although the plan didn't meet with a positive response. A castle in eastern Germany belonging to Royce was under police surveillance on Wednesday night following Royce's arrest. Neither the House of Royce nor Prince Royce's office responded to requests for comment.
2: Amid significant retreats on the battlefield, Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday publicly acknowledged that his army could be fighting in Ukraine for a long time. In a televised meeting with his Human Rights Council, Putin said achieving results from what Russia calls its special military operation in Ukraine can be a long process. But Putin said he saw no reason to mobilize additional soldiers, at least not yet, and his tone on nuclear war softened, saying Russia would not recklessly threaten to use nuclear weapons. After briefing the Senate on Ukraine, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told the press that Russia's war is a strategic failure. About ten months into
3: this, and Russia's uh, war on Ukraine is already for Russia a strategic failure. Uh, it's failed to uh, do what it set out to do, which is to eliminate Ukraine as an independent country, to erase its identity, to subsume it into Russia. Uh, it's being pushed back on the ground, and territory that it seized is being retaken uh, by the Ukrainians. Massive pressure has been imposed on Russia for this uh, for this war, and the uh, alliance between the United States and our partners in europe and nato uh... and beyond is stronger than it's ever been
1: dutch officials are planning to enforce new control on exports of chip making equipment to china Bloomberg News reported Wednesday that the agreement could come as soon as next month. This potentially aligns their trade rules with U.S. efforts to restrict Beijing's access to high-end technology. Under pressure from the United States, the Dutch government since 2018 has not allowed the country's largest company, semiconductor equipment maker ASML, to ship its most advanced machines to China. That's because the equipment is considered dual-use with potential military applications. ASML is a key maker of semiconductor equipment worldwide. Its latest annual report shows about 15% of its revenue last year came from China. It's unclear what the new restrictions mean for ASML sales to China. Dutch statistics office CBS says China is Netherlands' second largest trade partner after Germany. The Biden administration in early October published a sweeping set of export controls, including a measure to cut China off from certain semiconductor chips made anywhere in the world with U.S. tools.
2: U.S. logistics managers are anticipating delivery delays for goods from China in early January. According to a CNBC report, it comes as a result of canceled sailings of container ships. U.S. manufacturing orders from China are down 40% as demand collapses. Chinese factories are shutting down two weeks earlier than usual, out of the Chinese New Year, and freight rates from China to the west coast are down 90% as global trade continues to drop off. Ocean freight contract market prices hit a record low in November. CNBC says logistics firms are warning it could initiate an all-out price war in 2023 with too many ocean vessels and too much container capacity. And central banks around the world are raising interest rates, sparking concerns of a recession.
1: Up next, a man travels across the world to reunite with his childhood nanny. After 45 years, he says something was drawing him to her. That story and more on NTD after the break. Welcome back. I'm Evelyn Lee. A Swedish man travels across the world to meet with his childhood nanny. For 45 years, the two had been apart, and yet something drew them back together.
0: On a business trip to Peru, Juanito Johnson took an excursion to his childhood home in Bolivia. He visited his old home and the Christian mission where his siblings went to school. But something was missing. His childhood nanny wasn't there. From that moment on, he developed a growing need to reconnect with his nanny.
5: The only way to explain it is a need from my soul to reconnect to her.
0: Juanito says that he has a conviction to be grateful and to honor people while they're alive. But this need came from somewhere else.
5: But it was also a deeper thing that I couldn't understand. Even my family didn't understand my big need to reconnect to her.
0: In 2022, Juanito tracked Anna down and he returned to Bolivia to reconnect with the nanny who cared for him 45 years ago. The emotional reunion made Juanito realize the source of his need.
5: When you have this saying, she took care of me as I was her son, it was not a saying, it was a reality because she had just lost two kids for one year before she came in our family.
2: Before
0: meeting Juanito's family, Anna lost her husband in a labor accident and she was forced to give up her children for adoption when she developed a near fatal illness. She did regain her health, but tragically lost legal rights to her kids.
5: Because when I reconnect to her, I mean, she is 79 years now. She remembered so many details and everything. And really I felt that, in from her point of view, is was like reconnect with her own child.
0: Anna told Juanito she prayed from every day so that he would serve God. Juanito says this is a spiritual connection they have shared all these years.
5: It's because the first thing she asked me if I'm preach, if I'm preaching the word of God, if I'm serving God, and I said yes, I'm a pastor, and then she raised up their hands and give thanks to God.
0: Juanito now talks to Anna once a week and plans to visit her again in July. And he intends to refurbish her rain-damaged house. The video Juanito posted online of their reunion received millions of views, which Juanito believes is people resonating with the message of honor.
2: Uh, the love between a child and their caregiver can be a powerful thing.
1: Well, yeah, evidently. Uh, we're going to end our show with the Comedy Wildlife Photography winners. Let's take a look at their amazing photos. The overall winner of this year's competition is Jennifer Hadley, and this must be her classic photograph that's called Not-So-Cat-Like Reflexes. As you can see, it depicts a lion cub losing its grip on a tree trunk. Other category winners including a hippo yawning, a couple of trigger fish looking into the camera, a photo called Talk to the Finn, have raccoons saying hello, and ducklings walking across turtles. This year's competition features around 5,000 entries from over 85 countries.
2: Oh, boy, a hippo yawning. It kind of looked like that bird was in for some trouble there. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to end the show. Got to leave it to them. All right, that's it for today. Uh, Remember to write us at goodmorning at NTD.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
2: And I'm Kevin Hogan.